Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 945 with Damien Otero. The first time I walked into a kitchen at a restaurant, the first time I saw a walk-in cooler was when I got the keys to my own restaurant at 21 years old. So everything was done backwards. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Restaurants have been hit hard over the past few years, which means restaurant owners and their staff have been working harder than ever. Trying to meet the demands of in-person hospitality can be a challenge, which is why I recommend Pop Menu Answering. Pop Menu Answering turns every restaurant phone call into an opportunity. It uses artificial intelligence to answer the simple questions that are tying up your phone lines like, can I make a reservation or where are you located? And over 50% of restaurant guests are happy to have their questions answered by an automated system. Within the pop menu platform, you can customize answers for your restaurant and choose the voice your guest here and even send follow-up links via text message. Pop menu answering picks up your phone 24-7, 365 days a year, allowing you and your team to focus on what matters most. Prevent lost customers and impress your guests with pop menu answering. And for a limited time, my listeners can get $100 off their first month, plus lock in one un changing monthly rate at popmenu.com slash unstoppable go now get your $100 off your first month and learn more about pop menus full collection of tools at popmenu.com backslash unstoppable today's episode is brought to you by seven shifts seven shifts is a team management platform built specifically for restaurants looking to make your life easier then seven shifts is your secret weapon to better understand your restaurant, hit labor targets, and keep your entire team connected. With drag and drop scheduling, in-app communication, task management, tip management, and more, it makes restaurant work a lot easier. In fact, I haven't come across a restaurant tour using seven shifts that hasn't been completely satisfied. Restaurant Unstoppable listeners get three months absolutely free get started at www.7shifts.com slash unstoppable that's the number seven s h i f t s dot com slash unstoppable to get three months free and join over 30,000 restaurants using seven shifts today this episode is brought to you by Restaurant Systems Pro and they are launching their first time ever 60 day pilot program. This is something that's never been done before. This 60-day event is at no cost to you, but it's not for everyone. Fred Langley, CEO of Restaurant Systems Pro, will be leading a group of restaurateurs through the Restaurant System Pro software and setting up the systems for your restaurants. Fred will teach you recipe costing cards, guidance in your books for accounting, cash control, sales forecasting, checklist, budgeting for the entire year, scheduling for profit, it, more butts and seats, and that's not it. If you are interested in this, head over to www.restaurantunstoppable.com/r. 
RSP. That's RSP for Restaurant Systems Pro. www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, founder and CEO of Restyle Retail, Saboros Del Plata, Real Tacos, and VentureGroup.com. You're also the co-founder of Restro Experience, Damien Otero. Damien, my man, are you feeling unstoppable today? Feeling good. Yes, dude. I cannot wait to get started. And also, I'm super excited. I love these types of interviews. Whenever I'm on the road, I try to connect with one guy or gal who I think you started your your first Real, Real Tacos was 2021? No, Real Tacos uh, was uh, started in 2015. 2015. We took ownership of it in 2021. Took ownership of it in 2021. But I like, dude, you're just on fire right now. You're growing like crazy. You're aggressive. You're a serial entrepreneur. We're trying. Uh, you're, you've been listening to the show. I love connecting with my listeners. Yes, because I, I'm new into the industry. I'm not new into business, but I'm new into the industry. And... Uh, it's hard to find mentors here and there sometimes. Yeah. So this podcast has definitely helped me a lot, the team a lot. Uh, Real Tacos, is, it's a new project uh, that we took over in 2021. We've been at it for about 16 months now, uh, and our sales are up a thousand percent. Wow. And it, a lot of it is thanks to a lot of things that we've learned from from your podcast. So I wow. want to thank you for that. Thank you, man. I appreciate the 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 endorsement for, yeah. for sure. Uh, but I love talking to people like you because what you're going through right now, I like to say opening a restaurant in 2010 or even 2000 or, or whenever, like 10 or 20 years ago, isn't the same as opening a restaurant in 2022 or it's soon to be 2023. It's a different landscape. What worked then does not work today. So I love talking to people who are opening restaurants today and who are getting started today because I feel like it's just the people listening who are learning and going through this, your story is so much more relatable than people who did this 30 years ago and who are at, like, at the top of their game and about to retire. You know exactly. What, what do you think is the biggest difference 10 years ago versus now? I mean, the technology, the competition. I mean, there's more restaurants per capita today than ever before. And uh, the restaurants are just changing. We also eat out a lot more. Keep yeah. in mind right now we're in the city uh, whereas in back in the day, I used to people would have a family of eight people. So you go, you buy the food, and then you cook it at home. Right now, people live in an apartment is one, maybe two of them. It makes no sense to go to Walmart, buy a bunch of food, then cook, then clean. Or uh, throw away all that stuff that you cook. It it's a lot cost, of it. It will cost you more. Yeah. So people now are dining out a lot more than before. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's compensating a lot. I think, too, I mean, access to information, people are learning that, you know, time is money. Time is valuable. Yes. And, uh people my you know i think i'm third generation my dad's second generation i can't remember where we are but he grew up in an italian home uh they didn't have a lot and they they did everything themselves yes. and I, I think reflecting back at that it's just like you know like he would go get his own lawnmower and then you know pay to like do the maintenance to it and, and like spend two hours mowing the lawn and it's like i think people think that that's more affordable but what can you do with that two hours? You know, what side hustle can you create with that two hours? Yeah, I think everyone that right now is buying and selling time. And I think in restaurants, not only are you buying back your own time, you're also buying an experience with the food. Mm. And that's one of the reasons why I'm in love with the industry. Uh, and we've been talking now for 30 minutes and we said, we're not going to talk about restaurants and how you got into it until we go live. Yeah, it's, my, it's my secret. I don't like to talk about the business until we start hitting record. I love it. Um, Usually in this industry, 
I'm guessing people come in and they do a 10 year journey either in management or, or they're starting the kitchen, become a chef, eventually find a partner, maybe an investor, another partner in front of the house. They put an idea together. They have this dream. Uh, they put in the work and then they open up a location. That's usually the story most of the time that I hear from yeah. your podcast. Yep. My story is a total opposite. <laughs> I was thinking about it last night. I don't even know how it worked out or, or why I'm here. The first time I walked into a kitchen at a restaurant, the first time I saw a walk-in cooler was when I got the keys to my own restaurant at 21 years old. Wow. So everything was done backwards. And I'm going to go real quick and, and, and do an overview of the story very quickly. My, my name Wait, is before you get into that, man, yes, uh, we're, that, that's the teaser. That's the teaser. We're going to get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or a mantra. But I want to get into that. But I, th- I already feel inspired from what you've shared with us. But drop that quote on us, and then we'll pick up where we left off. I think it's not a quote. It would be, it would be, it's an idea, a philosophy that you have to create a vision large enough, so big, where other people's dreams can fit into it, where you can bring A players to work with you and, and just all of us combined come out better in the end. I'm looking over my shoulder to Sam right now. And did we not just have this conversation outside? We literally just had this conversation outside. Your timing is perfect, my friend. What you said, it, you, I think what gets people in trouble in this industry is that they think they have to have their hands on everything. They think that everything has to pass through them. And the truth is, you got to get the fuck out of the way. Yes. You got to know what your unique ability is and what your unique strength is and what your passion is and stay in that lane and then surround yourself with people who will help you get to that next level. And that's kind of what I'm hearing from you. Would you say that's aligned with what you said? A hundred percent. The A players, the top performers will only work for a vision that's big enough where they can fit in and they can succeed within the company. And I think the leader of the company must have a tremendous vision. Like some of the people that you interview that have multiple locations doing 100 plus million a year. What if you were employee number eight in that company? What if you were employee number six and X company went public? You know, if you put in the hours, the work, uh, with the right team, with the right company. And this industry is a beautiful story from what oh, I've yeah. seen so far yeah. since I'm in it. Now, going back to it, I didn't really get into the industry until 2020, right? Uh, when I was uh, 21 years old, I purchased this restaurant, and it was my favorite restaurant in the whole world. There's a little hole in the wall. How did I get there? Uh, I'm now 30 years old. I came to America with my family when I was 10 years old. I grew up here in Georgia, in Atlanta, Georgia, went to school, graduated high school with a 1.7 GPA, zero chance of going to college. It wasn't in my mind. I wasn't going to do it. So right after school, I landed a job in sales. I was working at a kiosk at a mall, and I became very, very good at selling. Very good. Eventually, by the time I was 19, I was already managing. I guess they saw something in me, and they promoted me. By the time I was 20, I had my own company. I had to Google how to open an LLC and what is a merchant account and how do I open up the bank account? At least you have the option to Google it. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and, it, and it turned out pretty good. Uh, uh, multiple locations and I was partners with the old company I used to work for. And by the time I was 21 years old, we were doing pretty good. Nothing crazy, but we we're doing three million a year in revenue. So it was respectable at that age. And uh, my first profit share was $100,000. Each way, 100 for my partner, 100 for me. So 
I had a choice. What do I do now? Do I buy my dream car? Because, you know, I was stupid and 21 and yeah. I wanted to have fun. Do I buy my dream car? Did you buy the dream car? <laughs> Afterwards, yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, or do I put this money to work, maybe in a little property or a business? Who knows? Um, I find out that my favorite restaurant, which is a little hole in the wall, it's a Uruguayan Argentine steakhouse. is a staple of our community here, was up for sale because the owner was leaving the country. And I knew the owner, so... I sent him a message. Hey, what are you thinking about Saboris? He said, uh, 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 I'm selling it. He called me and said, look, I'm leaving the country. Um, I think I'm done here. I accomplished what I wanted. And the business is for sale for 150000 Keep in mind, I only had hundred k for my first real profit share. Uh, so I started doing the numbers and I made him an offer and we met in the middle of 75000 Um and I was doing the math. Okay, if I had a, if I have a hundred thousand, and it's seventy five, and then I'm gonna have to pay a big deposit to the landlord because I'm a twenty one year old kid with zero experience in restaurants. What yeah. am I doing here? Uh, and then I need some inventory, and I probably need some money for payroll. Maybe I can swing it with a hundred. I talked to my mom and say, Hey, mom, uh, I know that you've been telling me for months that you don't want to work your job anymore at the office, uh, and if you want to do something different, and you had worked at restaurants before. Uh, I'm going to take a chance on, on this restaurant and, and see how it plays out. She said, all right, let's do it. I'll help you out. And we took over. And that's when I got the keys to the restaurant and I found out what a kitchen looked like. What was it? What was a walk-in cooler? And the first day, the the previous owner took us to Restaurant Depot. And I'm like, wow, what is this? And walked around. <laughs> oh we walked around everywhere and took notes on what we had to buy and so on. This is 2014. Shortly after that, I go back to uh, continuing with my retail business and expanding into multiple locations and so on. And I never really went back to the restaurant uh, for until 2020. I was just going once a month to have a lunch with my mom and so on. So your mom was running it? Yes. Okay. To this day. Got she's it. the best. Nice. The best. Man, did, am I cutting you short? Is that, do you want to stop there or keep going? Oh, we can go forever. Dude, I, if this is an inspirational I don't know what it is, man, <laughs> honestly. And I'll be honest, though, when I first started looking at your, your Instagram profile and seeing all this, the stuff that you've accomplished and how young you are, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I have to admit that my, my first thought was, this kid must come from money. I you wish. know? And this is why you have to go into everything with an open mind, dude. Exactly. Because uh, that's an amazing story. The fact that you just hustled and you, you found out what you were good at. Let's bring it all the way back. Let, let's kind of pull back the layers. So. What was going on in school? Why, I mean, were you just kind of like a troublemaker? Was school just not for you? Were, were you getting into trouble? No, I just wasn't showing up. I just yeah. didn't care about the, the, the way the educational system was. Uh, I was great at math, and I would get the questions wrong because I didn't show the work. I'm like, why would I show the work? Here's the answer. I did the math in my head. Uh, I just never cared about the regular educational system, but I love learning. That's why I listen to your podcast and, and a lot of other, other business podcasts. I would never stop learning, but I just eh, it just wasn't for me that the way the educational system was. Mm. Uh, I mean, that resonates with me because I was never great at school too. I mean, I probably wouldn't have done well if I didn't have like Adderall. Like if I didn't start <laughs> taking Adderall my sophomore year in high school, I probably wouldn't have made it to college. Right. You know, and I and I stopped taking Adderall when I went to college because I was going to school to become a commercial pilot, and it was illegal to take a mood altering drug and become a commercial pilot. I still took that shit because <laughs> yeah. I needed it to get by. And I was always so paranoid, man. I was like, if anybody ever finds out that I'm on drugs right now and I need these drugs to be able to do what I'm doing, right. 
Like if that's not a sign that you're on the wrong path, I don't know what is, you know what I'm saying? So anyway, um, but just, yeah, I think that that resonates with a lot of people in this industry. We tend to not be cut out for normal people roles. Like we don't do well until we find this industry. And once we find this industry or we find some type of entrepreneurial path, sales is a huge one. What is it about you? I mean, what is it about sales? You think that people who don't do well in school, academically do so well in sales what's going on there well most of the great salespeople are fucked in the head so that's one thing uh and to be a great 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 salesman you got to be a, a psychopath sometimes uh, when it comes to the psychology of sales what do you mean by that it, it takes a, a lot of work to to work 12 hours and just keep selling 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 and not have a sale and never give up until the end of the day and that's what we used to do um, and to create a team that all have the same motivation, energy, and everyone pushing forward and, and never giving up, never giving up. Uh, it's, it's hard to work 100% commission. It's yeah. very, very hard. And our, my company, uh, we had no salary back in the day, no hourly, we just commission. What were you selling? I was selling hair tools. Hair tools. So I, I, was, I had kiosks all over the malls and pretty much the southeast. Yeah. Which here's a thing. And one thing I've learned in the restaurant, you, you, you do this once a year where you get your, your business license and your liquor license and, and then you get your insurance and you negotiate the lease once. What I've learned from the, the kiosk for me was going to college because I opened and closed over 60 locations. At one point I had uh, 20 locations. You have to negotiate leases almost every day you have to renew them once a year you have to do business license for all these locations christmas time in christmas time you got to open november 1st five new locations closing down in january so i learned how to structure deals partnerships negotiate leases at a very rapid pace because the kiosk is a micro business so you're selling kiosks that sold hair no i was selling hair strainers hair tools hair products okay and when you say kiosk what do you, what do you mean by that a little kiosk inside of a mall Okay, so was it a digital interface kiosk no, or what is a kiosk? And, a kiosk and, is a little stand where you put your merchandise and you okay. pull people over and you show them your product and if they want to buy it, they'll buy it. Got it, got it. Yes. So in my mind, when I hear kiosk, I'm thinking like modern, like digital, like no, ordering kiosk. No, no, this kiosks. is before that, yeah. Got it. Uh, so you would buy like re- like real estate essentially in like the, not like a, like a uh, what would you call it, like a, the, the actual store, but you're like in like the aisle way with like a, yes, like a, got exactly. It. Got it. So, so it's such a micro business that you, you, you move so fast that you move locations, open different states and negotiate deals here that I learned a lot. But right away I saw the end of it coming, uh, probably about 2017. This is where the story gets very interesting. 2017, I saw the end of it. So I started fire selling all my locations, getting rid of some, and it took about two years to come down to, to my next stage in life. So my goal at one point was, I'm done with this industry. Let me get down to nothing. When I mean nothing is the only responsibility in life I want to have is my phone bill. And I got to that point in late 2019. And I said, okay, Damien, now you only have a phone bill. You got nothing to your name. So you you're have saying liabilities. You're losing lia- zero. Yeah. I went for having hundreds of thousands in, in, in expenses and things like, like what? that. Things that get, rent, things, if, you, if you're paying three to $4,000 per kiosk, you got 20 kiosks. You do the rent. You do the payroll. You do the inventory. And then you break even at the end of the month. You're working for free 20 hours a day, you know, giving up years of your life, building something that has no value at the end. That's not a very good idea. So this has no value at the end because of the way the market's going. The, the, the way, technology. The, the way and, and, not- and, and the, here's the thing when it comes to building companies. 
you can build a company for 10 years and on year number 10 you can realize that you haven't built a company what you built is a job mm -hmm. and it has no value when you want to sell it mm -hmm. Makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. You want to, this is one of the things that comes up a lot on the show. You don't want a people dependent organization. 100%. You being the key person, you don't want to hinge on you. You want a system dependent organization that you can create and that does not need you to operate. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and a brand, I mean, your shirt, that's a brand. Yeah. Russian Unstoppable is a brand. You know, yeah. um, this is what we talk about when we talk about building EBITDA, right? And 100%. building this stuff up, building this asset. What is the value of your organization from an outside purchaser? The people that are the best at this game know that they're just building an asset. Their job is to build an asset that they can sell if they have to. And that's part of the vision. If I'm going to build massive enterprise value and there's going to be a line of people with me that have equity in it. That's a beautiful picture. Yeah. And one of the things I'm picking up on you too, just the way you speak, just in the way you conduct yourself. I think of people who are successful in sales do so well in the restaurant industry because it hinges a lot on, on emotional and social intelligence, being able to read a room, being able to read a person, being yes. able to talk and communicate and sell. We're all selling, especially in this industry. We're selling our brand. We're selling what we are, our vision, our mission. We're selling this to our, most importantly, to our staff. Like this is what we're trying to do. This is who we are. You got to get people to get on board and to buy into what you're trying to do. And if you can sell, if you can sell, sell that vision, man, what a game changer. And it, but it has to be real. Mm -hmm. It has to be hundred percent real. And there has to be data and proven numbers that yes, this vision is real and that's where we're going. That's yeah. where we're heading. And here's yeah. our opportunity because the guy before you got an opportunity. The guy before got an opportunity. If you do the same thing, the opportunity is coming to you as yeah. well. Yeah. Beautiful stuff. So, um, where are you in this journey? This is 2019. So you're like 28 or 27 years old. Yeah, by, the time, years I, by the time I was 27, I had peaked in success in retail. We were one of the biggest in the country, if not the biggest for the product that we were selling and the systems that we were selling. Uh, but I saw the end of it, Amazon and everything coming along. And I, 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 I wanted to transition into something different. But my company was big. And in order to transition, it was going to take a while. Eventually, I get down to just my phone bill. That was my goal. And now that I'm free, let's travel the world. So this is Restyle um, retail. retail. And when did you found this business? It was a me and a partner, and I partnered up with the old company, my old boss. Okay, so you and, got hired to do this. And eventually I bought, I bought out. And your boss was like, damn, son, you're yeah. good at this. Yeah. <laughs> eventually I became 100% ownership okay. of the business as, as I bought when it When did that happen, 21? 20, I was 20, by that, 23 years old. When 23. Yeah. What was that transition like for you going from working in the business, being in your lane, doing what you do well, which at this point I'm assuming it's actual being on the floor doing the sales or was, was your role beyond was, that at this point? It was the same because my partners are out of state. Okay. So I was managing the whole operation. Okay. Got it. Which is an extra layer of responsibility, financial. So what wise. did you learn during this time that you think has set you up for success? What are the key lessons? The key, the biggest lesson I've learned is don't ever give or give up a whole decade of your life. And after 10 years, uh, there is no value other than just a, a income that is coming in. Right. And, uh, another, the second biggest lesson was, uh, that an entrepreneur, a, a great entrepreneur in the industry that is dying would not do as good as an average entrepreneur in an industry that is growing. Yeah. Makes sense. So what makes you think the restaurant industry is not a new industry, right? It's been around To forever. me it's new. I'm, I'm two and a half, two years in, two and a half years in. I'm loving it. I'm obsessed with it. I mean, it's constantly evolving. And I think one of the things that's unique about the restaurant industry is people need sustenance. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's one of those things that, I mean, eventually there might be a technology where you can put a pill in your mouth and it gives you exactly what you need. But even then there's an experience associated with what we do. It's the social getting out and being in a space and you're not just paying for the meal, the sustenance you're paying for the experience. You're paying for the opportunity to be with people like you who are like, and that, you know, what's going through your mind as I'm saying, what's going to my mind right now, there's people that own huge corporations out there and they're unhappy. And when they walk into the business, they say, wow, yes, we're doing 40 million a year, a hundred million dollars a year. And I hate it because it's not a, a sexy business that I enjoy. And what I'm thinking is tonight is Taco Tuesday. I'm going to go to all my locations and there's going to be such a vibe and an energy that radiates back from the business. It's, it's a business that like you can create a lot of value and it's a real business. But just the emotions behind it are just tremendous. Mm. Other business don't have it. You're not going to walk into another business, uh, someone who owns a factory, and they're going to have that fulfillment that we have in this industry. Yeah. Ironically, you, you know, you're pointing out that retail. And I almost started talking about this earlier before we hit record. I was like, I got to save this for the the recording. Um, but you you went from an industry uh, retail, right? Mm-hmm. That I think retail's death has been such a a boom for the the restaurant industry because one of the only things that works in retail space is restaurants. Yes. So you see all these developers yes. who are getting involved in the, in the restaurant business because it's one of the few things that still works in retail space. Yes. I think, do you think there's an issue with that? No, I mean, you just cannot ship the experience through Amazon, you know, and the food is only good right now when it's hot. Mm. But I guess the one thing I wonder sometimes is that if every empty retail space becomes a restaurant, is there a point where the market just reaches ultimate, like, alter, like super saturation? Where yeah, but there's always going to be the top players and the best performers, and those are going to win. Yeah, mm-hmm. whoever's not using the right technology right now is going to die. If if anybody can figure out what to do if they with that retail space that's just sitting vacant that developers are just looking, there's got to be a code out there. Somebody once they figure out what that thing is that just works in a mm-hmm. retail space, there's going to be so much opportunity for them. Yeah. Yeah. If you guys have any ideas, let me know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you were still doing this up until 2019 while you, so you purchased uh, Saboros in 2014. Right, but I never went other but than just went. once a month. Just so you to just have, owned it. It was an asset for you. My mom was running it and I was too busy in the other business. Yeah. Um, any other lessons that we can pull from your experience becoming so great at what you were doing before, before moving on talking about restaurants? Yeah, I mean, you got to hire the right people and you, you must be in the right industry to get the right players and you got to have the right vision in that industry. Uh, you, you Imagine you owned a taxi company when Uber came out. That's how I felt, you know? So uh, you have to be in an industry that is going up. Even, it's okay if there, there's more competition. That is fine. As long as the industry is going up, if you're good, you're going to make it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wouldn't be in the industry that is shrinking. A shrinking industry uh, will kill a great entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, great great lessons there. So I think we're going to save the break for sponsors until we start talking about real tacos because that's when you start getting into it. That's really. when I got obsessed. Yeah. And so 2014, you negotiate uh, this restaurant. It's $150,000. You were able to get it for $75,000. But, but yes, and all in, I was in for one hundred and five. Okay. Uh, after... 
having a little bit of money in the account, payroll, everything extra. I had to pay two deposits. I went to the landlord, and here I am, a little 21-year-old kid with a little suit on, and he's like, you can only get this if you give me an extra two months of rent. And I said, okay, we'll do it. What was that, $30,000? No, no, no. We were, the rent at the time was 4000 and some change. Okay. Um, so you, the original asking price was 150 You came at them with 75 and then the additional expenses, this is payroll, this is rent, mm-hmm. this is all the other things. This is an important lesson right here. So after you're like, yes, I saved, uh, what, $25,000. Like I, I have, I have a, a runway, right? This, like the, the starting runway. How fast did you chew through that $25,000? Oh, we, when we opened, I had like a thousand in the bank account. But here's the thing. I'm a firm believer that you should buy a business and not start a business. Like why would I start a business? Yes. Being construction, des- design, permits, everything for over a year. Then I have to get a team ready. I have to train people. I have to do all these things to then figure out if it works. Why not you just buy something and on the first day you make a few thousand bucks? So what you're talking about is turnkey. Yeah, that's so you're moving into a situation where you just everything's there. You just need to make it better. Ideally, yes. For a first time business, I think it's much better to buy a business and make money on day one, no question marks. So selling this thing for one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, you're basically paying for the assets in that business. I'm assuming, but it was a hole in the wall. It's not what it is today. The steakhouse, Uh, it was. Going out of business, it had low sales. Obviously, I didn't know much. You were an exit strategy at this point. You were someone saving grace. Yes. Yeah, uh, and and that can be huge. That's 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 how you can talk somebody down from one hundred and fifty thousand to seventy five thousand when they're desperate to get out. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there's tons of opportunity there. Um, what what did you learn about negotiating? Like, what can we what can we take from that experience? I think you got to negotiate hard, but there's got to be enough left over in the table for the other person to to be happy you can't just take the whole deal i think i, I pay what it was worth business also had debt that how did you know. know what it was worth how did you come to that number because uh, i figured i can pay it back in in if i was lucky in two years so yeah I figured, okay so either way i, w- I was going to spend the money in a car yeah so why not buy the little restaurant that i grew up going to i celebrated three birthdays there I celebrated my high school graduation here so you had an emotional connection to hundred percent. Yeah. Yes. So you didn't want to see it go out of business. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did your mom have any restaurant experience? She had worked as a server and, and manager before in some restaurants. Yeah. So not a long time, but yeah, she yeah. has some business. Tell us more about your mom. What's your story? Oh, my mom grew up in a place. Uh, we're from Uruguay, South America. Uh, she grew up in a small little house, which was basically a big room with a bathroom outside where 14 people lived there. She is the ultimate the ultimate American dream. There's no one that works harder. Um, yeah, you mentioned the car. Like, it's, yeah, I love her. Yeah, I mean, what I love about your story is that, like, I mean, part of my story, part of my vision is that I could do what you did for your mom, for my parents, yes. to, to give them that security. That the things that you always wanted, or I don't even know if they wanted these things, but the things that you can never have because you're too busy making sure we had what we had. Hundred percent. You know, you know, Meaning her, their kids, my parents and their kids. I would love to buy my parents a house and to yes. take care of their mortgage and to give them everything they need for the rest of the time they're on this planet. That's what was dream. that like when you were able to do that? When did that even happen for you? Uh, over the past few years, yeah, I was able to, to treat them nice. Um, just as an immigrant, they, they gave up so much 
You know, imagine right now you have kids and you have to move to a whole new country and maybe never learn the, learn the language. Yeah. And you have to adapt to the system just so that kid can have a better opportunity. What was going on in Uruguay that they wanted? And, and about 2001, there was a crisis where a lot of people exited the country. Okay. Uh, it's a beautiful, small country. Three million people, three and a half million people. I'm not going to lie. I knew it was in South America, but I couldn't remember quite where it was. I just looked it up. We got 12 million cows. Wow. So we got three, four times as many cows as people. I believe we're the most carnivore country in the world. So when she came to America, she got to work in restaurants. In restaurants and so on. Uh, and then she worked at an off insurance office for many, many years until one day she called me. She's like, I'm tired of this. And I said. So why did she get out of restaurants in the first place? Just the opportunity came to work closer to home. Yeah. And Probably she, better benefits, security, and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was more, more stable. And uh, she called me one day. She was, uh, I'm, I'm done with this. It's, 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 you know, I'll hold the job for a little longer, but I want to do something different. And that same week, I had gotten my big paycheck uh, as a dividend. $100,000? My hundred k for as a dividend from, from the profit of the business. That same week, I, I found out well, my mom wanted a new job and, and that the owner of this restaurant was selling it. So it all came along. So what did you not expect buying that restaurant? What hit you, blindsided you? I, I didn't expect that later, later on, when I come back into the industry in 2020, how stable the restaurant industry was, right? 19, late 19, I take a trip, I travel, no return flight. I just travel all over South America. Uh, because I'm trying to find that next stage in my life. What, what is the next thing I'm going to do? I'm an obsessive person. Everything I'm going to do is going to be 100%, right? A little fucked in the head. But I, I figured I got to have a break where I find what's next for me. If I do it right now, I'm going to choose the wrong industry, wrong product. I'm going to build the wrong business. I'm going to give up another 10 years of my life and maybe be unhappy. So what am I going to do next? All right. I took off travel for a few months. Eventually, I was in Brazil. I, I had a breakfast at this place called Gringo Cafe, and I had pancakes and, and bacon and eggs and waffles, the most American thing ever. And I, and I, and I felt it. I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go back. I book a flight that same day, and I fly back. And now it's late 19, December. I'm like, what am I going to do next? Okay, don't get too crazy and start something now. Give yourself some time because whatever you're doing next is going to be big. But I'm getting bored. So in the meantime, I start going to my restaurant to the restaurant that I haven't been to in six years other than just going for lunch. And be just as I'm trying to find something to do, I start showing up, start taking pictures, reactivated the old Instagram, start doing a little bit of marketing here, a little bit of marketing there. And one day I checked the sales reports and I realized that it, the sales were stable. Every, we weren't making much money. Sales were low. but You weren't? No, just, okay. just hole in the wall. But the sales were stable every week. So every week we were doing the same numbers for 10 weeks, 20, 50, 100 weeks, same numbers. So I figured, okay, if this is stable, I can work with it. Were you in the black or you were No, we were making money, yeah. 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 But when you have a business that, like my previous business, that was making 100,000 in a week, 50,000 a week after, 20,000, 25, 45, when it's unstable. Yeah. You go crazy. Yeah. You got to find that, that baseline that, you know, like this is, you might have yeah. those peaks, but you have to compensate for those valleys. A lot of businesses do not have that and it's yeah. impossible. And the way you operate, you're never going to have it. And when that is the case, the only thing you can focus on is making money tomorrow. And when you focus on making money tomorrow, you don't have a 10 year plan. Mm. So I was trying to find the right thing. And when I saw that the numbers were flat and perfect every week, I said, hmm, maybe I can do something here. Kept marketing. 
because I, I figured I have a couple of months until I find something. And then the thoughts started going up. I'm like, this marketing is working. What were the first were the first things you were doing to start marketing? I'm, I'm, good at Inst- I'm good at Instagram. Yeah, uh, I've been to Insta Ho a couple of times. I, I know how to work it. And you I, see I, that Insta Ho? Yeah, I call Insta Ho <laughs> someone that, who knows the, the algorithm of Instagram. Okay. So I started posting and and, and creating uh, great videos and and I started seeing okay, this has more likes when I do this. When I when I dip this into this, it has more likes. When I when I cut it like this and squeeze out the juice has more like so I started playing with it. Um, then I started doing ads and then and then it was just yeah the sales doubled so okay this is something so we put a little bit of money in the business we remodeled the whole place. Long story short, the sales quadrupled in a very very short period of time. And this is in 2019. This is a night started in late night in December 19. So I started in 2020. Okay. Um, pandemic happened five weeks we shut down we're reopened back to killing it so it was a, just like a short period where you started putting these marketing efforts in though right because yes, it, it was, was like, so quick yeah uh you said you doubled your sales in, in this point it doubled the sales in a few months we remodeled now sales have quadrupled mm. which is it's, it's it's amazing for us did you do any type of remodeling from 2014 to this point nothing what, nothing i mean i think that's a big part they say every five to six years or yes. so you should do a like, refresh or whatever that yes. is put money like whether it's like one percent or a half a, a point aside yes just to put money back into the business to keep it looking fresh that's what we do now constantly all, yeah. all of our locations uh but then that's when it clicked and I said, okay, I'm starting to love this industry, first of all. I think this is what I'm going to do next. What was it about the industry that you loved? It was the same thing I was doing before my previous company, just with more uh, a stable people, um, better systems, and more fulfilling. So more I, stable people. Yeah. You, <laughs> That's a statement. Because <laughs> I think anybody that works in the restaurant industry would probably be like, there's worse than this? In sales, yes. Oh, wow. Yes. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm curious to move on, but I'm also curious to find out what your mom was doing and how you, if you helped in any way from 2014 to 2019. Cause it sounds like you, you, you turned the business around. So are there lessons there that we can learn from? Cause it was, it wasn't stable. Was it operating in the, the, the red before no, you guys we, took over? Before we took over, the business was losing money. As soon as we took over, the business slowly started making money. So what did you do to make it slowly start making money? Was it just that your mom went in there and gave a fuck? Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. That's, that's all it was. What did like, what did that look like? Uh, let's say it was a increase in sales of 30 to 40% and then no loss uh, for many of the employees or anything. And, um, uh, yeah, but it wasn't a big change. The big change happened when the marketing started happening. Mm. And that's when the whole picture clicked. And I said, oh, okay, I have a, I think I have a business plan. And I, I 100% know how to run this business because I've done this many, many times from the business side. I know systems. I know how to promote people. I know how to create a team. I know I can manage 100 or 1,000 people. Okay. But here's where I think there's a hole in the industry. And I, and I think... I can make something out of it. And that's, that's when, it, when it clicked. The, most of the restaurant owners are maybe 50 years old plus on average, and they're too busy doing too many things, so they're not worried about the marketing. Uh, a lot of them are not thinking about making their business sexy, and they're not using technology and so on. So I figured, okay, what if I start buying restaurants with a few of the qualifications that I wanted to be a successful business and I can buy them for cents on the dollar. And this is what I call buying a Porsche 
in second gear. There's a lot of Porsches out there in second gear that you can take to sixth gear. You're just going to recall that of work and technology. And the owner doesn't even know that they own a Porsche in second gear. And uh, as I'm putting this plan together. What gear do you think that they think it's in? So I don't think they even think uh, sometimes they, they, they're, they're just done with it. They've done it for many years and, and, and they don't understand the upcoming technologies. I mean, I'll, I'll give you a great example once you get to real tacos, and, and that that was a Ferrari on first gear. I love that you're using the gear analogy because I always talk about the analogy. Like when you open, you're in first gear, and then you figure some shit out, you're in second gear. Yes. How did you get the third, fourth, and fifth gear, you know, or sixth gear if you're a huge organization? Uh, here's where it comes for the small marketing side. Of, for, for the small organizations, uh, I think a lot of the owners are too worried to doing other tasks in the business and have no idea what's going on with the evolution of marketing right now yeah. and technology. Really paint that picture of what second gear looks like in your eyes. All right. So you, you have a restaurant that has uh, great reviews, great food, solid team. The place is a Porsche. But why is it on second gear? Well, you look at their Instagram. They haven't posted in six months. You look at their Google. It's it's trashed. Like the pictures are all terrible because it's all customer pictures with terrible lighting and whatnot. You look at their Yelp. It's unclaimed. You look at their website. The website is terrible. They don't have a digital menu. Uh, no marketing strategies whatsoever. And that's when you're like, okay, this this. I think it's a portion second gear. I can take it to the sixth gear. So that's in respect to marketing. But what about the other elements of business? The other as in the team and the food and culture, systems, process. Yeah, you can bring in the culture with the right people. As long as, like I said, the picture has to be big enough where you get people with the right energy. For me, the culture is the most important thing. Right now, we're hiring a lot of people and we're all doing it based on culture. I'd rather train somebody that already has the energy and can be part of the culture than bring somebody with massive experience that has they're not alive. They're, mm-hmm. they're not happy, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm loving what you're giving us and I'm, I'm looking at uh, Saboros right now, the Instagram and it's at 24,000 in 200 followers. Um, where was it when in 2019 when you first started putting energy into this? Oh, 400, 400 followers. Wow. Real Tacos was on 400 followers as well. Um, yeah, so the, evol- so the evolution of the, of the business plan was, hey, let's grow through buying random restaurants out there that I can make sexy, and let's do one each year. Different concepts. And I, and I can double the sales, maybe quadrupled. Who knows where it can take us? As I'm trying to figure this out, my now business partner of Real Tacos, Miguel, calls me. He says, hey, I have a little location I want to take a look at. I want your opinion. It's a little coffee shop, cafe, salad bar. I'm going to look at it tomorrow. Can you come at 10 in the morning? I show up at 10 in the morning and I'm like, you know what? I've been looking for something and, and I, I would love a partner. And if you want to bring me in, put me on the deal. Yeah. You already had the investor lined up and everything. Put me on the deal and I'll work for free and, and we'll figure something out. Maybe this can grow. We took over that location. This is twenty late 2020. Is this Cafe FR? Cafe FR Vinings, yes. Yeah. Um, so we took over that location. On, and here's the thing. Day number two, I... Uh, I'll turn around and making a coffee and I tell me, go, hey, we're overqualified for this. I think we should, we can do something way bigger. He said, you think so? I said, yes. Uh, my job now will be to find the next project and I, and I, well, I want to go big. Uh, so we came across and looked, or I came across and looked over many, many different, I looked at everything that was for sale in the city over six, for six months, everything that was for sale uh, from January to July. By July, 
I couldn't find anything that I really, really felt the energy. You know, you walk into a place, it feels dark. It doesn't feel, you don't have the energy. You walk away. And then I started looking at my emails and I'm like, well, I've signed so many NDAs and so many, I've, I've seen everything that's for sale in the city. And I had an email from February, five months before with an address. And I had looked at the place, a taco place. The Google was so bad. It was so bad that I, that I said to myself, I'm not going to pay this money and go and own a little taco place that looks like a gas station taco place. That's how bad the Google was, mm. right? But I couldn't find anything. So I said, well, you know what? I'm going to show up to this address. So I go with Miguel and we walk in and we're like, holy shit, this is not a little gas station joint. This is beautiful. Has a great patio. It's got everything we want. We looked and we see the wall. We're like, we're going to build a bar here. We're going to do the tequila wall over here. Like right away, we got the whole picture. This is mid-July. Uh, we closed within two weeks and we took over, right? Um, and we started implementing all the marketing strategies right, right, right away. The back of the house, we kept them. The, everyone find out that there was new ownership the day that it happened. Uh, the front of the house stayed for a little bit and eventually they moved on to other opportunities they had. And it was basically me and Miguel serving tables and making drinks and so on as we hired more staff and we kept pushing, pushing, pushing the marketing, uh, making the, the concept a bit more sexy to people and so on, keeping it 100% authentic and bringing just, just very, very passionate people to work with us. Tell, tell us more about Miguel. What's, what's his role? How do you know Miguel? I've known him for many, many years. Miguel also comes from sales. He, he's what I did here. He did it basically in Texas and okay. without knowing each other. In uh, the retail hair, hair salon? No, he did a retail for different products. Got it, got it. Yeah. Uh, he was in direct sales. Uh, he, I am the visionary and putting the plan together, the business plan. He puts all the people together. Okay. Like I believe there's no one better at doing what I do than me. And there's no one better doing what he does than him. And the people that are hiring along, like we are looking for the right people for that position. Someone that can be the best. Can you be the best at this? That would be our task. You're the best at this. That would be our task. So you're, you're steering the ship. You're pointing the direction. You're sharing the vision and he's bringing people onto the bus, putting them in the right seat. Yeah, he's obsessed with it. Yeah. And I am obsessed with what I do. And we never had a fight. We never had an argument. And who, who's the technical person? And what part technical? Uh, like the implementer, the, the person that says, so I, one of these books that I, uh, I, don't, I don't know if you're familiar with, with uh, Traction. Or have you read Gino Wickham's yes. stuff? I haven't read it, but yes, I'm familiar. Yeah. So uh, one of the things he talks about in the EOS, the Entrepreneur, Entrepreneur Operating System, is uh, this rocket fuel. And they have another book called The Rocket Fuel. But what that rocket fuel is, I think that what they call it is the implementer. I might be getting that wrong. Uh, there might be another name for it. But that's the person that basically... Integrator maybe is either implementer or integrator. I can't remember which word it is, but it's the person that basically takes your vision and says, this is how you do it. This is, this is, this goes here. That goes here. Um, here's this new technology that I purchased that we're going to use. That is a solution. It's, it's this system. They're the, the operations person, essentially. That, they put it together. That is our third hire, which okay. is Wilson. Wilson is a friend from, from school that I had for, for many years. And as soon as we took over the first taco locations, the walls were green and orange and we didn't like it. So we said, okay, a little bit of money that we have, we're going to do something cool with some wood over here. Wilson owned the construction company with his father. I'm like, Wilson, can you do something cool over here? He said, yes. The second day he gets off the ladder and says, uh, you guys are doing something cool here. Can I work here? And we brought him on. And this is someone that gets shit done because they come from the world of construction. 
Mm. Right. So they get it done in construction. You got to you have a deadline. You got to get it, get it done. Yeah. So we, we brought that person along. We all trained ourselves in the hospitality industry. And and now we have a system where like people have expertise in, in one area and, and, and so on. So Miguel is more of the people and Wilson is the integrations and integrator just getting it done. And now more of the expansion and business side. Beautiful. I just realized we never took a break to thank our sponsors. We'll be right back and we'll pick up the conversation from here. Restaurants have been hit hard over the past few years, which means restaurant owners and their staff have been working harder than ever. Trying to meet the demands of in-person hospitality can be a challenge, which is why I recommend pop menu answering pop menu answering turns every restaurant phone call into an opportunity it uses artificial intelligence to answer the simple questions that are tying up your phone lines like can i make a reservation or where are you located in over 50 percent of restaurant guests are happy to have their questions answered by an automated system within the pop menu platform you can customize answers for your restaurant and choose the voice your guest here and even send follow-up links via text message pop menu answering picks up your phone 24 7 365 days a year allowing you and your team to focus on what matters most prevent lost customers and impress your guests with pop menu answering and for a limited time my listeners can get 100 off their first month plus lock in one un changing monthly rate at popmenu.com slash unstoppable go now get your 100 off your first month and learn more about pop menus full collection of tools at popmenu.com backslash unstoppable today's episode is brought to you by seven shifts seven shifts is a team management platform built specifically for restaurants as host of restaurant unstoppable i chat with a lot of restaurant tours one thing a lot of them have in common they use seven shifts in fact Every restaurateur using Seven Shifts that I've come across has great things to say about them. With over 700,000 restaurant pros and counting using it today, they're clearly onto something. So what are you waiting for? Seven Shifts is your secret weapon to better understand your restaurant, hit labor costs, and keep your entire team connected with drag and drop scheduling, in-app communication, task management, labor compliance, tip management, and more. It makes restaurant work a lot easier. And I bet Every member of your team will get value from it. Whether you're a franchise owner or a chief technology officer, a manager working front of house or back of house, plus it integrates with other restaurant tech systems you already use like your POS, payroll, and more. That is powerful. As a restaurant unstoppable listener, you get three months absolutely free. Get started at www.7shifts.com slash unstoppable. That's the number seven S H I F T S dot com slash unstoppable to get three months free and join over 30,000 restaurants using seven shifts today. We're back in where we left off was you were kind of painting the, 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 the role. So you're the visionary. Miguel is the uh, recruiter, putting people, getting people on the bus and putting them in the right seat. And then you mentioned the, the other name, 
Wilson. Wilson, he's who, our implementer. Your implementer. Yeah, he he's the systems person. He goes yes. out there and he 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 makes what Gary Vaynerchuk would say. He's in the dirt. Yes. And you're in the clouds. Yes. <laughs> in, as in the visionary dreamer. Right? Uh, we all in the dirt. Uh, yeah. The first, the everybody has to be in the dirt until you can replace yourself with those people who are better at it than you are. Right. Yes. So, can you pick up your train of thought? Do you know where you were going? Yeah. Um, no. Go ahead. Ask me a question. <laughs> yeah, right. So um, when so this what you're basically saying is what you do uh, is you look at these restaurants and you say, this is a gem. They just don't know it yet. You're looking for se- second gear restaurants where they, they got something special. They just don't know how to take it to third gear. And where you really specialize is in the marketing side of things and making it sexy and taking great brands and getting them to that third and fourth gear. Right? Yes. My idea was if they've been alive for five years plus, they're not going to fail. So yeah. I can buy you. Yeah. And I can buy you for cents on the dollar because you don't know this is the gem, right? So how do you, what's your advice for, for you know, getting the best ROI on your investment? So you, you find something that has a terrible, the worst Instagram possible, unclaimed Yelp, terrible Google, but a lot of reviews. People, you, are, people are going, yeah. right? If you find a place that is closed on Sundays, even better because you got extra money coming in once you open on Sunday. You walk into the place and you see a terrible POS system. If they already have toast, there might be in third gear. Mm-hmm. But if you find a place that has a terrible POS system, why is that sure. so important? Because if you don't care about replacing your POS, yeah. which today is a tool, yeah. my servers make a lot of money. Why? Because I, I have every single technology available to give you more tables and you have more, more tools to work so you can make more money and everyone has a toast little tablet and whatever implementation of technology I can bring into the business to help my people make more money, I would do it. I don't have to hire people. There's a line of people trying to work. Yeah. So, so how exactly does toast help servers make more money? A lot of restaurants. Well, for us, we get away with being very, very casual because our dining is more of a taco also for, you know, for the steakhouse and so on. I mean, we can get away with using toast tablets. A lot of restaurants do not want to use them. They don't want to pay either the fees or they don't want to. It's just very, very traditional. Like if I'm a server, you're going to give me four tables. I'm going to have to use a piece of paper, write the order, run back, make the line, wait for the other servers to put the order. Then I have to do it by hand. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then you want to pay. I have to run back, print the receipt, come back. I, I'm doing it all through technology in my hand. So I'm going to give you eight tables. Mm-hmm. And you're going to give them the same service. Yep. yep. Maybe I give you six tables. Depends on your experience. So now you make 50% to 100% more money. So you, first of all, you're not going to quit as, as often. You're not going to get offers from other jobs and be as interested because you're making very, very good money here. And you're going to tell your cousin, hey, I'm, I'm killing it over there. Yeah. And your cousin is going to come knocking on the door and say, hey, please, can I work here? What about the people who argue the argument for uh, these tablets uh, create worse service because of the level of engagement the host or the server has with the tablet and not the table. I think it's quicker. By the time you ran back and wrote in a piece of paper, made the line and put uh, in the order. I don't disagree. It already came out. <laughs> but is there something, are you mindful of the fact that, or what is your advice? How do you train your staff Listen, I'm to gonna, use this tablet? I'm going to use technology. If tomorrow there's a new technology that replaces the tablet, I'm going to use it. Yeah. Technology has not failed me yet, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep implementing technology. I'm right technology. there with you, and I 100% support what you're saying for the record. Uh, I do think that servers, and I've seen this, I've experienced this myself, where they get so lost in the tablet sometimes because you'll ask a question, and instead of knowing the answer, 
they'll find the answer. Yes. Uh, which is good to know where the answer is in case, you know, you have to find the answer and you don't know it. Um, but I think what happens is people get so dependent on the tablet. That is, that is a problem. That is true. But also yeah. by the time you ask for, for appetizer, the, it's already in there. By the time the server walks away, the runner is running with chips and salsa. Yeah. Yeah. So that is, I mean, there are absolute benefits to this. Yeah. And I agree that if you're going to make it in the future of the restaurant industry with the, the amount of restaurants that are opening, meaning more people pulling from the same hiring pool, uh, fewer people, I mean, there's no secret. I'm sure you've experienced the pain and it's hard to hire right now in the restaurant industry. Are you experiencing that? Definitely not. Not? Well, that's awesome. Yeah. What do you think's happening? I was actually curious about that. Is that is that like common theme throughout Atlanta that people are finding people to work or No. Not not everyone is finding people. Listen, if you're if you're going to work for me, I'm going to give you every single tool that's possible for you to make more money. Yeah. I'm going to create the best company culture that I can create. I come from the world of sales where it's very, it's almost impossible to keep employees. So now in this, it's easier. People are more stable, making better money. I think if you, you should definitely give your employees every technology tool uh, for them to make the most money, yeah. for it to be more efficient, um, I, I think is the best way to go. Yeah. Uh, what else are you doing to keep people or to draw people? Is it just well, so- giving them technology or is it more than that? Well, we pay very good, and on top of that, um, we have a system of partnerships as people grow, where the top performers in the company can be a partner in the following locations and so okay. on. Uh, I'm looking at the big picture. How do you structure that? Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a long structure. Uh, we can get on it uh, later on. Okay. It's a big, big <laughs> system. Um, I would love to get into that structure, because I think, I, I love the idea, I think, I mean, that's you just hit the nail on the head with what it takes to grow. Is it's about it's not about your growth; it's about the growth for others and yes. and putting in in, in in recognizing that if you're going to grow, it's only through the growth of others. Well, yeah, it's also a lot of times uh, from what I've seen in the industry, some places where you work, they try to squeeze everything out of you, and maybe the ownership or they're they're not providing, like I said, every single tool. Um, if you work for me, I will fucking die for you, you know, uh, and I will eat after you. Everyone eats before. I want everyone to make the money before. I'm not going to pull profits from the business because the profits are going back into the growth of the business so I can give more opportunity to other people. We are bootstrapped. Like we are 100% bootstrapped. There's no profit sharing. All the money goes into the next location, into renovating existing locations as we grow because that way I'm not giving you an empty promise that you're going to be something with us. No, 100% you're going to be something with us because I'm going to make sure that we grow and get to that level where we need that next position, where you're going to graduate, you know, into the next one. But how did we end up doing tacos and more tacos? The idea was to just do this company, just buy restaurants, random restaurants. I don't care what it is. I'll, I'll make it and double the sales. But as soon as we took over tacos and it was a quick service restaurant and we said, oh, let's expand the bar over here. Let's turn it from QSR, you know, yeah. uh, and it was basically just takeout and you get a number and you, and you go pick up your order to full dining. Let's make it a little bit more upscale-ish. We double sales pretty much overnight as soon oh. as we changed that. So you doubled sales, but did you increase your, your labor costs? Yeah, but the profits were the profits. It was the same percentage, and it just kept going up. And, okay. and then obviously your rent now is lower percentage mm-hmm. because your sales are going up. Um, 
employees are making more money, everybody's happier, and then we triple sales. And then by the time we triple sales, I called Miguel and said, hey, remember that business plan that we're buying random restaurants here and there and, and trying to double the sales and make a nice little business? Uh, yeah, we're throwing that plan away. Now we're only doing real tacos. We're going to hyper focus just on this project. Every other thing that we have going on in life, we, we put aside 1% energy, but the rest of it is going 100% real tacos. So you went to the place where you're thinking, we're going to do this once a year with one new concept every year, and now you're saying we're going to double down on real tacos. Yes. Why that? Because the opportunity was so big. So then our business plan transitioned from trying to buy restaurants once a year to just building real tacos. And this happened once I figured that the enterprise value of a company is worth a lot more once there's many of the same concepts replicated. Once I understood uh, the multiples valuation of restaurants yeah. is when I transitioned. Like, why am I going to have a bunch of restaurants that are worth two times their profit? Two and yeah. a half times their, when I can have one that I can, brand. one big ass brand that I can replicate many times that I can be worth five, 10 X. Yeah. You know, and it's easier. And now I can, I can, I can switch employees from one location to another. I can tell a manager, Hey, tomorrow you go manage, you know, it's easier. And this is where I come from, from having the same product at a mall all over. So I'm like, okay, I can do this and, and start finding locations for, for good deals, uh, locations that, that fit what we're trying to do with the space, the patio, the whole thing, start growing the team. And now we're setting our third location that we're opening in two weeks. Uh, we're doing, we start construction in two weeks as well in our fourth location. Uh, we're you, wa- you purchased Real Tacos in 2021. Yes. So you've been at this now for a year and four months. Yes, we're up a thousand percent on sales. That's amazing. Uh, I think uh, I think this will be a hundred plus million dollar business, and it will be a beautiful story because we're doing it with partnerships from in within from employees that yes. are growing. Yes, and that's so huge, and that's one of the biggest lessons I learned. One of the first aha moments I had was that the most successful restaurant tours only open restaurants when if they're doing multiple concept restaurants is when they have people in their current restaurants that have aspirations and dreams and ability and they want to go out and do their own thing. And what usually ends up happening is, or maybe the restaurant tour has a, an idea for another concept. But when, when you're stacked with good people and you have like, you know, all of your roles filled and you have a GM, but beneath that person, there's like three other people that can fill their role and you know it that's when you grow because if you don't move people up and on or, and, and you don't let them ex- execute their vision or give them opportunity for growth, if people don't feel like they're growing, they're going to go find that growth someplace else. And that's why there's such high turnover. One of the big reasons why there's such high turnover in this industry. You're shaking your head. Yes. What's going through your mind? It's a hundred percent. Yeah. The yeah. top person up top has to graduate. So there has to be another position they got to fill in. So someone comes yeah. underneath and fills in that position. So, so as a leader, you got to create bigger positions up top. So every, everything trickles up. Can you grow too fast? Yes. What's that look like? I think if, if we were right now, uh, if we were going to go to a bank and get a, a fuckload of money and we could uh, fuck it up and, and grow too fast, we're doing it 100% out of our profits. We got zero debt. Uh, it would be beautiful to get to 100 million in revenue yeah. with no debt. Do you ever worry that you're growing fast at three or four concepts in a year and a half? Well, not concepts, but locations? No, we have a solid team, yeah. a bunch of killers. What's once, your... once we open this door, the, the people are going to run in. Yeah. What's your plan to, to once you, you know, you're in what gear right now, would you say you're in? Fourth? You took it for at second gear. You yeah. brought the third gear. Yeah. Um, with the marketing and the technology improvements, in, in, improving the systems, improving the culture. 
what is what is third gear in your mind? Is it just assistive technology marketing? And then possibly is, is third gear more operate like? Well, I think it's more complicated than that because uh, um, each little part, each piece is one percent, and you got to have a hundred different pieces to complete that one hundred percent. And for every company, is a little different. Um, for us, it's a hundred percent company culture and a lot of marketing. I mean, have you seen? Did you see the article on Slutty Vegan valued at a hundred million? Twenty five. Uh, we were trying to get Slutty Vegan on the show when we were out here. She's out of town, unfortunately. Talk, a, talk about marketing and a brand. Yeah, you know? they have a great brand. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I think I'm going to change restaurant unstoppable to Slutty Unstoppable. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> uh, I think those things are are, are very very important. Our business plan right now is I think uh, Atlanta is a city that has that can sustain a lot of locations. I think we can do eight before we saturate the city. And I think that's going to be our, our piggy bank uh, to then make the right decisions in other states. Mm-hmm. What is your vision? Uh, our vision is to go to the best cities in the southeast. Uh, we will start choosing uh, out-of-state cities next year. What makes the best city? I think uh, the best city will be something that you that can sustain three locations, because if I'm going to move someone who is a killer, who is a great, and I send you to a city where you're only going to have one location, you're going to outgrow it very, very quickly. Yeah. If I give you an opportunity to go to a city where you can sustain three locations with a group of partners, uh, there's more room to grow and just a bigger picture overall. What's the city need to be able to sustain three locations? A lot of people. First of all, I mean, you want to, for us, for our product, we want to, we want cities that have uh, in a one mile radius in some parts of the city, 30,000 people, 40,000 people and so on. Where do you go to get this demographic information? There's a website. I forgot what it's called. Uh, click, I click on it. It gives me a little circle, terrible website and it's all data, but it does give me a, a little radius yeah. of one mile where I can see. Um, you know, I, I was thinking about this earlier when we were talking about Atlanta in the the hiring that it's not an issue for you. And I think that this is true for a lot of cities and and areas in the South. I think during the the pandemic, the South and more rural areas experienced a lot of growth. Um, Atlanta is not rural, you know, by any means, but it is kind of an isolated city where Mm -hmm. you you think of say the Northeast, right? Right. Where you have, you know, Boston, Portland, Boston, New York, DC, Baltimore, all within what? Like, 300, 400 miles, yeah. right? right? So you, it's like the entire coastline is is like basically city. It's 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 mm-hmm. urban, you know? Um, so I think what happened is you had a lot of people in those cities during the pandemic that said, I got to get the fuck out of the city. And they went to the, the suburbs, the burbs in the country, but within the Northeast, like New Hampshire, Vermont, Western Massachusetts. And they got away from the big cities. And the people that had homes in those areas that I just mentioned sold their homes at like $100,000 more than they would have gotten a year before. And they took that money and they went to the South. I know multiple people who did this, right? So I think that the South experienced a big boom because the cost of living so much cheaper, they could take that money, the profit they made in their house and stretch it much further in the South. Did you, was, is that factual? Do you know if there's, if there was, yeah, the rent, the rent, the rent here are crazy, but Atlanta has so much opportunity. It's okay. If you don't like the city and you say, Oh, there's a little crime here and there, but it's so much opportunity. I mean, if you go to the the midtown, downtown bucket, there's cranes everywhere. They're building everywhere. That's thousands of people that are working. That's a lot of businesses that are coming very, very soon. 
the town the, right here, this Chambly used to be just factories back in the day. Now mm. it's beautiful little buildings and restaurants. Atlanta is growing a lot. So what are the other southeast cities that you think this is happening? <sighs> well, Florida, all over, all over South Florida for sure. Uh, I, I Nashville. Uh, a couple of the cities we're going to look into soon are Charlotte, Nashville, South Florida. I know Nashville's South- exploding right now. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But I know South Florida will kill it. Um, yeah, there's a few cities that, that we have in mind. First, we got to accomplish our goal in Atlanta because that will be our piggy bank. Because we don't want to go to the bank and say, hey, we want a couple of million to get in debt and then build something and then pay it back. You know, no, we want to come in with the cash and, and do our own strategy where we take second generation. Sometimes we're going to do build out, um, but keep it economical. So that way, when the opportunity opens up for a partner to come in as an employee, I can't just get a $3 million loan and tell you, hey, we're going to build this crazy thing. You're going to be a partner. You, you have equity. Uh, you can invest with us a little bit, this, this, and that. And then, but by the way, we have a $3 million loan that you got to pay back. So you're not going to make money for a couple of years. I want to be cash flow positive since day one. We opened the door. Here's what I promise you. And here are going to be your profit sharings every quarter. Mm-hmm. You know, and, yeah. and you've done a great job and you've been with the company uh, for years and you're obsessed with it. You're obsessed. Like us, you come in on your day off to make sure things are fine. I mean, we're hiring people and creating a culture where our guys are obsessed. You know, yeah. they come on their day off to make sure the bottles are looking nice and things like that. Like, yeah. you know? One thing that hasn't come out of today's conversation that I think is really important. Um, talk to us about the menu at Real Taco. The menu we haven't changed it much other than just added a couple of dishes and we added dishes that we tested on Instagram. We made a post on Instagram of an off-menu item and it went viral and we said we are going to add this. And the two items that we've added because of that are our number one sellers in, in, the, in the food. Is it a big menu? No. It's realtacos.com. Real Tacos with two R's. R-R. Realtacos.com. Uh, slash menu and you can see we have i'll show you the menu it have a interactive menu uh, one thing that we took from the pandemic is when everyone went to a qr menu instead of paper if i'm using my phone all day and i'm on instagram or whatever app and all i do is scroll down 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 up and down why is it that when i go to a restaurant and i scan the qr i get a little pdf file that i have to open in zoom Mm. and try to find what I want to yeah. eat. So our menu is like an Instagram feed. Uh, and, and that's something that we created with a marketing agency that, that we co-own as well. So I'm going through the menu right now as you're talking. And uh, as you scroll down, you basically have, you have at the very top starters. And then as you're scrolling, you have items that kind of fly in from the left and the right as you go down. Um <clears throat> And I guess what, what I'm trying to get at, um, so it's the branding, it's the, the, the appeal. It's, I think people not realizing that their menu, the restaurant isn't just confined within their four walls anymore. The, really, the first impression you make isn't when you walk through the door. It's when you Google search that restaurant or you say, I want tacos. And you put taco into Google and you see five taco joints and you go to the one with the highest rating, right? That, that's one option. The second option is uh, most of the 24, 35-year-olds are all day on Instagram and they, they're literally coming in like zombies. Like, hey, I want this, showing us their phone because they've seen an ad or they've seen a post. So most of our people come in from, from Instagram. And as you mentioned with the menu, uh, the menu is cr- looking at it on the computer, but in, in, the, in the phone is crazy. 
when you come into a restaurant and you scan the QR code and you see the menu, if you come in for lunch, you're gonna see the food first, the appetizers and then the food. If you come in at night for margaritas, when you scan the QR, that same QR will take you to the margaritas first. So, you know, psychologically, yeah. like, hey, my starter today is going to be a margarita. Yeah, that is smart. Um, so this is menu engineering in the 21st century. 100%. Yeah. What is the digital path that you're taking this person on? Like where, you know, yeah, menu engineering 10 years ago, that's like, where does your eye go on the menu? Now it's like, what path can you, what journey, what digital journey can you take the customer through? But, you know, so they are, it's like, it's upselling digitally, essentially. Yeah, of course. I'm watching images all day on my phone. So why is it that when, when I use my phone to look up at a, at a menu, I don't see any pictures. And that's one thing that with our company, Restore Experience, which is the marketing side of it, uh, we decided to do. Everything in our menu has a picture, uh, which creates less mistakes and, and lets people know what they want. I mean, everything on Toast has a picture. Everything on Uber Eats has a picture. On DoorDash, everywhere, there is a pic. Even the sides, I have a picture of a pico de gallo, so you don't miss it. Yeah. So one of the points I wanted to make with the menu is that I love this idea of doing one thing really well. And obviously you're not doing just one thing. Your focus is tacos, but you also have, you know, quesadillas and uh, burritos and things like that. And you have a sandwich, um, some salads some bowls. Uh, but the idea is you're using a lot of the same recipes in these, in these different ingredients, right? hundred percent. So what, what's the power of just of narrowing your focus when it comes to the menu, as far as executing the back? Yeah, I think you got to hyper focus and, and and not have too many items. At least for us, that's what works well. Um, everything that we make, it's, it's it's pretty much. I can reuse whatever I make in a taco. I can make a quesadilla out of it because it's the same carne asada. And I'm yeah, gonna. It's one of the things I love about Mexican food, or just burrito. A, yeah, like it's it, you can do so much with so little. Hundred percent. Yeah. Not only that, here's the thing about Mexican restaurants. Mexican restaurants pair very very well with margaritas. Mm-hmm. So there's a big percentage of liquor sales. Mexican restaurants pair very well with takeout orders. So you have a big percentage of takeout. Mexican restaurants also have an extra Saturday, Taco Tuesday. If you go tonight to our, our restaurant, they all have a wait. And it's Tuesday. Uh, so there's a lot of things that I fell in love with the Mexican cuisine, the concepts. It's my favorite food in the world. Did Real Tacos have margaritas when you first purchased it? Yes, but the previous ownership uh, uh, didn't want to sell liquor margarita so it would there's margarita sauce were insignificant yeah so uh, now it's 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 what was the split of food alcohol sales when you purchased so when we first purchased it i couldn't even read it because of the, the pos they had it was terrible <laughs> what did they have uh they had i don't know windows 1998 who oh, knows okay. <laughs> i don't know what they had um but it was definitely under 10 percent yeah, uh, right under ten percent of their total sales was alcohol. Yes, wow. And now, now uh, dine in. We are forty two percent. So, was this one of the big reasons why you wanted to go to dine in so you could improve your alcohol sales? Yes. And of that one hundred percent increase in sales, what of that percentage comes from alcohol sales? Well, so it used to be less than ten percent. Now, just for dine in, is forty two percent. If you combine the takeout orders, Uber Eats, and everything, we're right around 33 percent okay. uh, yeah. liquor sales, which is very high. And can you actually can you do liquor, liquor sales with the takeout now? I think after COVID, you might be able to. I know it's city by city, sort of. And DoorDash is trying to do it as well. Yeah, yeah. here we can do it in this property. Yeah, and then the other thing you did is uh, were they doing in Taco Tuesday before? So you started doing events? So taco, as soon as we took over, we realized that taco, the Tuesday was a very high day. So we figured, oh, taco Tuesday is real. So we started advertising taco Tuesday. And now it's our biggest day. Yeah. Um, 
we're an hour and 10 minutes into this, man. And I feel like we could go in so many different directions right now. But we got sponsors. We, well, we're going to take one more break. We're going to take one more break. That comes before the speed round. Uh, but, I mean, if you could speak to one thing, if there's something that you just think you really should be talking about that we haven't discussed up to this point where you can make our listeners better, what is that one thing? It will be just repeating one thing that in order to create massive opportunity for people, you must focus also on creating enterprise value because that's going to open up doors in the future for a lot of people. doesn't mean you have to sell the business, but I believe you must create a business that could be sold. Yeah. I think it's also important to point out that in an enterprise, you can make a lot of people rich, not just one person. Um, this is something that's came up recently. I think I was talking to Brad Parker from Hampton Social. Right. You know Brad? Uh, no, but I, but I heard it. Yeah. Uh, and he was talking about how, listen, if you want to make good money in, the, in this industry, you don't have to be the CEO. You don't have to be the founder because of what we've been talking about before. Because the, the best CEOs realize that their success comes in creating opportunity for other people, specialists, technicians, uh, people who are good in the dirt. Right, mm-hmm. people who can make the vision a reality, and yes. those people are are the, the the best. Those people are hard to come by. As far as getting those people attracting onto yourself, those people you can make those people rich in this industry. Uh, what's going through your mind as I'm saying this? Uh, that's the most beautiful thing I ever came across. This business that they're just beautiful people that work in in this industry. That maybe sometimes they don't have the opportunities in other companies. Yeah, they don't have the opportunity to grow. Maybe they don't have the right vision to grow by themselves but they have all the potential and all it takes is an opportunity. And then you have people that can grow. And if they would have taken it, maybe a different path, it would have been a different life and their kids wouldn't have gone to college or they wouldn't own a house, but because you believe in them and you give them the opportunity and they were the right person and they're that good. Now they have a huge opportunity in which where they can grow. And as they grow, they come into new challenges and they learn the next step and then they get promoted. I mean, they promote themselves. You're good enough, you get you know in the right business, you get promoted by yourself basically because you achieve something and then you learn uh, the new challenges of the next stage. In the next stage, there's new challenges. And all of a sudden, you don't even have to go to college. You just became a beast by encountering challenges and solving those issues. And if the business is large enough, I think we're going to have tremendous opportunity for a lot of people to change their lives. And, and we work with a lot of... Uh, Hispanics and first, second generation immigrants. And I think our team right now is in a position to change the legacy or their families uh, forever. Beautiful. Uh, can a company be too big? That is a, a something that I would hate once you get to a large uh, size that it becomes too corporate. Of course, it's not the same working for the first, second bar taco than working for the 40th bar taco, right? or velvet taco is not going to be the same. Unfortunately, we are going to lose that one day. But as of right now, we are in love with the process and enjoying it so much. We just wake up every day like this is a moment of our lifetime where we're creating something amazing. And we have to enjoy this journey that we are right now because maybe it's not going to be as fun when instead of opening the fourth location, we open location 24 Mm -hmm. or 14th location. It's going to be more corporate. It's going to, you know. Is there is your goal ultimately somebody to think sell this concept? Uh, no, no. But to have the availability, the uh, availability, the availability to one day say, hey, if I want to, the option is there, and if the option is there, we are all getting paid. Yeah, all of you guys have been here. We're all getting paid. How do you do that? I think we're not going to. I think we're just going to build it and hold it and and 
have enough partners that that work with us yeah. that make a very good living. Got it. Um, earlier, you mentioned your plan uh, for growth, and I think I don't think you used the word profit sharing, but um, I wrote it down someplace where did I write this? Your growth structure, your growth strategy with uh, compensating people and making sure people are getting paid. Um, what is that? What's what's that structure? That model you're using. We have a salary cap in our company of 100000 We have a few, more than a few people at 100000 yeah. You cannot make more than that. If you want to make more than that, you, you, you're obviously a top-level performer because you're getting paid 100 You know, you're not anybody else. Uh, you want to make more than that, you got to come in on the next deal, on the next taco. Come in a little piece with us. So you buy uh, equity in the business. You small, invest. Small little chunk. You take that $100,000 we're giving you and you give it some, you help, you put it back into the, the growth of the business. And eventually you, you scale up and, and have ownership of something in the future. You know, uh, you can, you, you can buy in for a few bucks. Something that's going to be worth a lot in the future. Uh, I'm trying to get all, all of our team to understand, to, to live uh, under their means, to not spend too much money, to put money on the side because there's opportunity coming uh, in their personal life. And so a lot of people were making 40, 50 before they were working here. Now they're making a hundred. So yeah. I don't want them to get too crazy with their lifestyle as well. When I was a little kid and I got, and I made a little bit of money, I got too crazy and made a bunch of mistakes as well. Yeah. I think this is where a lot of organizations fall short. They don't, they don't go beyond the four walls of their business. They cut you a check and they say, here's the money that you earned working for us. And maybe some people don't feel right telling their employees what to do with their money, but I think there is a level of fiscal responsibility, like a generational, like, Hey, we are obligated to, to tell you what good money management looks like. We can give you this check for a hundred thousand dollars. You can do whatever the fuck you want with it, but we recommend that you invest it. And we would like to continue to grow our relationship with you. And you can choose to invest that back into our organization. Right. But I think so many people get in trouble cause they don't, they make six figures to get to a hundred thousand dollars a year. And they're like, I'm rich. Like my lifestyle is going to change. I'm going to go overextend. And like we, we started this conversation with you saying I wanted to get down to my liabilities where only I had to pay for my phone bill. Mm-hmm. Where did you learn these these lessons on money and liabilities versus assets? Just hitting walls, yeah, and learning through experience. Mm-hmm. You know, making mistakes as a very young kid. Yeah, but or, but I, but I love that I that mentality of of teaching your people how to invest and how to grow their wealth. A hundred percent. I think I think it should be done uh, because if not, it's just a transaction of your time for for the money of the business, and you're going to put in your eight hours. But if we do it in a deeper sense, I, I listen. If we're all in together, you, you're not selling me your time. You're giving your soul for the business. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. And we want to give back as much as we can. Yeah. So I would like to spend a good amount of time, the time we have left together, talking about marketing. Um, in because this seems to be your one of your biggest strengths. Is that safe to say? Well, the marketing is what brings the money. We, we get makes us money. Now we have more money for more opportunities, more money to remodel. Then it yeah. opens up every door and every door is open because yeah, we're pretty good at marketing. Yeah. Um, so one of the things you said earlier is that you're good at kind of understanding social media and understanding what gets more likes and what, what, what's clicked. Like, I don't know, what would you, sexy? What was the word? Yes. Your, uh, Insta whore or Insta ho. Insta ho. That's why. <laughs> Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so what have you learned? Like what tricks of the trade? Like what, what is working on Instagram? How do you get those likes? How do you, it's, what, what makes people click? What makes people engage? It's evolving. Uh, and we try different things with different uh, accounts. 
right now reels is, is very powerful mm-hmm. whereas it was pictures before it was short videos um the reason why we created a market marketing agency is because we understood how to do it but i knew that us the the, the people that were running the business were, were going to be too busy to do it at first we were doing it ourselves and we said there's no other company or agency that we can hire to do it so we have to create and i think this is a hundred percent mandatory if you own a couple of restaurants right you have a dishwasher you have a cook you have okay it's mandatory that you have your internal marketing agency if you're a big restaurant group it's mandatory yeah why would you leave that that money in the table and not grab it yeah i think this is where a lot of companies are not understanding but i don't know when the dishwasher machine was invented but i'm sure there was people that it took them 20 years to buy one Mm -hmm. and said no no i'm gonna do it the traditional way right now marketing is the new way and you have to invest in a team you gotta put aside a percentage of your money that goes into ads and a percentage of your money that goes into growing your marketing agency internally because there wasn't a marketing agency that we could hire to do it so we did it ourselves eventually the marketing agency also grew into having a lot of clients and now we have eight employees uh, that work for with the agency and they do all the marketing for us and for other restaurant groups as well uh, most of the traffic do the, does come from Instagram, but I think there's got to be strategies where if you have a restaurant group each Monday, you have to post on Google and you have to post on Yelp and every single day uh, post reels and photos on Instagram and post X amount of stories per day and have your insights set up and make sure that every item has a picture on your menu, on toast, on Google, on, on uh, DoorDash and Uber Eats. This it's just very simple. If you go right, if you're listening right now and you have an Uber Eats account and you're selling a thousand bucks a week, update professional pictures with no background, and your sales will be fifteen hundred tomorrow. Wow! Just because people see the pictures in the description. Yeah. Right. So we made a list of a hundred things that we had to optimize as far as marketing. And now every time we either open a restaurant, we have this checklist of a hundred lists, or when we take a new client, we have a, a list of a hundred things that we do, and and. I think going digital is is helping a lot. If you're very good at digital, very good at the restaurant side, connect both worlds, uh, you can achieve a lot. Yeah. So this is your, uh, is this list essentially the the baseline, the foundation of what restaurant, restro? Resto experience. Resto experience. Which is uh, com. That is the foundation. We have a list of 100 things that we think that most restaurants maybe only have about 20 of them. Yeah. And, and we come in and we... we do the whole, and obviously for the new restaurant how many times do you see a restaurant that just opened up and they don't even have a google my business how do you find them yeah, right uh, so on linkedin i think um restro experience is a, a technology and investment company is what it's listed as but you also call it a marketing agency it is yeah the goal is to also uh, use extra profits in the future to without diversifying too much and the focus of there are two parallel companies but we have a CEO that runs the restaurant experience. The kid is is a wizard. He's another person who was fucked in the head in the best way possible. So he's a wizard at it. He's so good in technology. He's younger than us. Uh, so he understands what, what, what what's coming. And, and all the profits that come into Resto are going to be reinvested into other restaurant groups in the future. Clients of us or whoever. That I, also, is. I also love that you're 30 years old and you're saying this person is younger than us. He's they 21. He's yeah. 21. <laughs> but there's so much truth to that. Yes. And, and I mean, Gary Vaynerchuk points this out all the time that the who dictates the future are young young people, yeah. primarily children, teens, the young tweens. Of course. Yeah. You learn marketing through TikTok now. Yeah. Whatever's hitting on yeah. TikTok, you replicate it on 
on on Instagram. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, man, I do, I do want to push back, and it's not that I disagree. Yeah, because I agree with what you're saying is 100 percent true, but I think the fact that it is true is a problem. So we're now we're getting like surface, like we're getting forty thousand feet, and and I look at the world we live in, and when everything is dictated by algorithms that are owned by a by an organization. You know what I'm saying? Because you pointed it, you said it yourself that, listen, there's algorithms here. Well, work just, two months ago doesn't work yeah, now. Yeah. What happens when every business, every organization to be successful has to force themselves and has to do business through these algorithms? Is that, are there repercussions? Are there things that we're not considering? Is that okay? I don't think so. I think it's a new position in the company. Just like you got to have a GM. Just like you got to have this person and that person. Just like you got to have a host in front of your restaurant. Yeah. That is a new position that must be filled in. It's a hard position to fill in because most of the operators don't know how to do it themselves. But I think there's got to be some time allocated into learning some of those algorithms and, and, and giving the job to, to someone in the company. I mean, I 100% agree with you that like it's a matter of figuring out how these organizations work and then playing with the rules. But is it should a company like Instagram or Facebook or TikTok, Facebook and Instagram are the same thing. Should a company like Facebook have that much fucking control over how we do business? Uh, they don't give a fuck. They're just buying. Well, exactly. That's the point I'm trying to make. Well, they're buying and selling attention. And the eyeballs right now are eight hours a day on the phone. So I want to be there. I mean, I, I get that. But I don't know if I'm. Is there a, are there side effects of doing business like this? I'm talking like overarching beyond restaurant success. I'm talking ethical issues now um, where if we give one organization, one entity this much power, this much data, what are we doing? What, what are we sacrificing? What is it for? All for what? Is it worth it? You know what I'm saying? Like, are we not paying attention to what we're causing, the issues that might spin out of this? Uh, yes. Well, you know, back in the day, media was, what, three to six companies uh, many years ago. Yeah. Now it's it's digital. Uh, now uh, Daddy Elon just bought Twitter. Yeah. So it might change a, a couple of things. But I like that he bought Twitter because he bought Twitter for a lot of the reasons that I'm echoing right now is that he doesn't like what's happening in these organizations. Ethically, there's issues. And he's trying to correct that by yes. buying it. Um, so I think that's really great, you yes, know? Yes. But yeah. look at look at the bright side. I found Drew because of probably Instagram or YouTube and Spotify and this yeah. things. And now we're here talking. And maybe someone uh, heard this and maybe learned one thing. Because I've learned 100 things from you. Thank you. Right? So, so that is the positive thing. Yeah. I do recognize that it's a double-edged sword. And uh, I'm playing devil's advocate right now. Yes. Uh, and I see that there's benefits. And I'm not arguing that... If you if you do with the things that you mentioned, if you if you focus on Instagram, I mean, I I fucking hate social media. Yes, I don't like to exist digitally. There's a reason why I haul my ass around the country to sit across the table from somebody. I don't like to exist in that vertical. Right. But I also recognize that it's valuable, which is why I travel with a, a partner. Yes, who captures all this stuff and posts. I don't. I only I delete Instagram when I'm not on the road. Right. Because I don't want that influence in my life i think it's causing massive depression across the world but also you can also come across a video that tells you hey go for a run go do some sit-ups and also balances the the whole picture i'm i suffer from positivity and happiness fortunately 
So I look at everything in the most possible uh, way. Like, oh, social media, it helps me find employees. Mm. Social media, it helps me find the next podcast that I'm going to love and learn from. So I try to look at just the whole positive picture from it. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Um, so the, the mission statement here at Restaurant Unstoppable is, do you know it? <sighs> Go for it. To inspire, empower, and transform the industry. Uh, on this note of transformation, looking at the industry from your perspective through your lens is there anything that you think needs to change about the industry something that you are actively trying to be a part of that change uh, again going back to the team um from what i've seen there is um a lot of promises for high level people that are never uh that just never come across that they're not fulfilled um i think as operators we got to help people grow more uh, there's beautiful amazing people out there and they're going to put in the work. And all it takes is an opportunity to allow them to grow and show you what they got. And and it's going to help out the business overall as we all grow together. So is the, the root, the core to this message that we need to be better about creating opportunity for others? Yes. Yeah. I I, I'm all, I'm all about others. Yeah. And that, that's one of the things. One When I first started this podcast, I only interviewed like independent or like multi-unit operators that had different concepts. And I thought that that needed to be the future. And that was the solution. As I interviewed more people, I started to realize that bigger companies aren't horrible. They're not evil. And there's a lot we can learn from these companies too. And I started opening myself up to bigger multi-unit or like even like hundreds or over a thousand locations, people like I had some of the people that helped grow Starbucks on the show. You know what I'm saying? Cause we can learn so much from these people, but I do think that there's a balance of growth and like the issue with um, these huge organizations, I, I believe it, it limits, it limits the part. Maybe yeah, we're creating jobs and opportunity for people, but I do think that not everybody wants a job. They want a career or they want, they want a creative outlet. And when there's so much of the market being taken up by these big organizations that only function by having consistency, it limits the human element of creativity and feeling like you're contributing and being a part of it and influencing the growth of something, right? So by doing what you said, though, by rec- I think there's a sweet spot of like regional like restaurants that like how do we d- fragment the market share, right? That is a very tough one. Uh, I think as a company grows, yes, that does happen. How does a Chick-fil-A being Chick-fil-A yeah. feels like a Chick-fil-A, but other um, uh, you know, thousand unit corporations don't feel like it, you know, just creating that culture. That's something that I do not want to lose. I want to feel like a small company, even though we're going to be a big company and not every company can achieve that. And, and that is a big challenge and we'll see how we do it with it as we grow. Um, but I, I understand a hundred percent. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one last question I'm curious about and the, and the, the topic of marketing in the future and the next, it seems like the next big platform that is supposedly going to take off is TikTok. Do you have opinions on TikTok? Are you active on TikTok? So here's the thing. Uh, TikTok, you, you kind of watch videos is a form of entertainment and it's, and it's fighting for your attention time-wise. But now YouTube has shorts and Instagram has reels. And the thing that Instagram has over all these platforms is that on top of being an attention grabber is a communication platform. So I'm going to send you a picture of a restaurant or a video and we're going to start a conversation. 
TikTok is mostly you scrolling by yourself. Same thing with YouTube Shorts is mostly you uh, scrolling by yourself. So I think restaurants, uh, Instagram is, is the number one platform because everyone who's in it still uses it like you know, the communication platform. TikTok, you can go viral very quickly and you can use influencers that can make you go viral very, very quickly. It's also a great tool, but I, I don't think Instagram is dying anytime soon. Yeah. Um, do you think that there's an issue with the the fact that TikTok is owned by a communist country and gets 100% of all the data side uh, to that? Wasn't it sold to IBM or something or that was, or no? I don't I'm think sure. so. From, from what I understand, maybe. I could be, I mean... Yeah. That scares me personally. I, they know ev- <laughs> they they know everything. Yeah. At this point, we're already. Uh, it's too late. They know everything. I just just scan my face and give me the password to my. Yeah. E- you know. Yeah. It's more. It's it's something I got to learn more about for yeah. sure. Um. So, um. I mean, I've loved this conversation. Uh, is there anything that has not come out? Now's the time to get it out before we go to the speed round. Not that I think so. Okay, beautiful, man. We're going to take one more quick break to thank our sponsors. We'll be right back to bust out a speed round. Recently on the show, you've been hearing it come up often. Restaurant Systems Pro. If you've become interested, I highly recommend you sign up for the Restaurant System Pro 60-day pilot program. This is something that's never been done before. This 60-day event is at no cost to you, but it's not for everyone. Fred Langley, CEO of Restaurant Systems Pro, will be leading a group of restaurant tours through the Restaurant Systems Pro software and setting up the system for your restaurant. Fred will be leading the training, supporting you, and holding you accountable. Typically, this costs $10,000 a month to have Fred in your restaurant, but during this no-cost-to-you 60-day training, he will be teaching you every process he does during the group coaching sessions, and nothing will be held back. During the 60 days, Fred will walk you through the Restaurant Systems Pro process and help you crush the following goals recipe costing cards, guidance in your books for accounting, cash control, sales forecasting with accuracy, checklist, budgeting for the entire year, scheduling for profit, more butts in seats, and that's not it. Often, the team at Restaurant Systems Pro helps restaurateurs out pro bono because their hearts go out to these folks. I mean, it's hard out there, but because of that, a lot of the time these restaurateurs don't follow through because they have no skin in the game. For that reason, there is an application process. Only those serious about making change in their operation will be accepted into this program. Are you interested? Then go to restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. P. That's RSP for Restaurant Systems Pro. RestaurantUnstoppable.com slash RSP. We're back. The first question I have for you is, what is your it factor, a habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success? Uncorruptible character. What is your biggest weakness? Opening up. What is one question you ask or thing you look for when you're growing your team? Does this person fitting in a position 10 years from now? And what are you looking for? Like, what exactly? How do you know? As we grow and that there's new positions to be filled in, is this person going to continue to grow uh, as an employee, as, as a part of the organization? Are they going to get better themselves? Or is this someone that, that we're just going to hire, that we're looking for the top people? Is this someone that we're going to hire and they're going to max out in three months and that's the only skill set they're going to provide? Got it. Uh, is there one 
core value you can share. It's a way to be, a way to act, something you teach your team. Core value. Again, uncorruptible character uh, and, and just happy. What's your biggest challenge today? Not fucking up. How are you overcoming that? Uh, by staying out of debt, by growing just with the profits. Um, and um, that's pretty much it. Not, not growing too fast. I think we're growing at a very good pace. Got it. What is one uncommon standard of service you teach your team? Something that's common within the four walls of your restaurants, but not common throughout the industry. Integrating technologies in a, in a sense that it seems like it should be there. Yeah. And it doesn't seem like it's a, it's a takeout QSR type of concept. Something that seems like, oh, this is, you know, dying in appropriate. Yeah. And, yeah. Technology is absolutely a service. And this is something like the example I always use is wait lists. Like, why would you... This is hospitable. This is hospitable in my mind. Why would you make your guests show up and wait an hour in one spot for a table when you can give them the option to get on a waiting list at home and communicate with them along the way to let them know when their table is going to be ready? Like that is giving somebody back an hour of their time. That's service. Exactly. Yeah. That's just one example. What is one book that's a must read to make us a better person or owner? I never read books. I don't read books. I'm more of a audio person. I do 20 to 30 hours of podcasts a week. Wow. Uh, so I would recommend podcasting, and this is one of them. Thank you. Man. I mean, if you can acquire 100 hours of knowledge through audio on any topic, you're going to become an expert. Yeah. Some people can't read. I'm one of them. Yeah. Are you dyslexic? No. I, I, just, I just hate books. I, uh, I'm dyslexic, man. I hate reading. Like, I 100% am all about audio. Some people, like, I learned. So like, I can listen to, what's that? So I guess I'm dyslexic. Maybe. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Who knows? But they're, I mean, not everybody's hardwired to interface with the world like that. Like, yes. some people interface with the audible. Some people are visual. I'm an audible interfacer. I, I like to listen. Yes. I like to, that's how I like to engage. Um, what is one thing you feel restaurant tours don't do well enough or often enough? Going back to the marketing and implementing technologies in today's day. Yeah. I'm going to go back to that last question. What is one other podcast you listen to other than Restaurant Unstoppable? So I have many favorite ones and I, and I transition here and there from them. Um, I usually listen to as many episodes as I can for about three months and then I, I, I transition into something different. Uh, I like many that are not in the restaurant, ju- just mainly technology investments and i don't so listen on. to one restaurant podcast okay perfect <laughs> this is the only one i listen to when it comes to restaurants I, I listen sometimes to like my first million because they have uh many different people from marketing agencies and things like that uh sometimes the all-in podcast which is a bunch of billionaires that are just too smart and they can't even understand them but i, I know what's going on around the world uh but i do it mainly through youtube because youtube is clips I enjoy those 5, 10, 20 minute clips. You just made Sam's day. Sam behind me. He convinced me to not. We just started doing YouTube more, investing more into YouTube. And he's like, you can't do these two hour long videos. 100%. On YouTube. So, so <laughs> Sam is the man. I know what he's doing. You take a two hour conversation, you, you, you clickbait it in the best way possible. Uh, and, and, you know, restaurant, uh, financial, boom, 10 minutes, this. And then you can also do the shorts. And then you can also do shorter versions on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what me and Miguel who's sitting here next to us uh, what we're doing starting in February we're going to do a podcast that can also uh, share information and we're going to use you as a reference a lot and we're going to ask you to connect us with top level people in the industry because uh we want to learn from them and pass along those I already lessons. Have people I want to introduce you to you, uh, that would be yeah, amazing are sure. we actually meeting up with Andy from Bar Taco 
we're meeting up with him in Vegas. Nice. So we're going to blow his, his head with questions until he walks away. And whatever we learn, we also want to pass it along to other young entrepreneurs in, you know, in the same that. situation. I love that, man. Uh, Andy Forsheimer. Yes. Yeah, he was great, dude. Yeah. You guys need to check out that episode if you haven't heard it yet. Um, all right. The next question I have for you is what is one piece of technology you've recently adopted within your restaurants that's had a huge impact on profitability, communications, uh, anything along those lines? You already mentioned toast. We went pretty deep there. Is there anything else that you think people should know about? So we, we say yes to every piece of technology in the market that we can use. Uh, so we've tried everything and, and use most of the platforms out there. Uh, here's the thing. There's three that I use, which I love that I've gotten through you and we tried them and said, this is cool. We'll keep them. One of them is the first one that we did, uh, was ovation. Nice. What is ovation? Ovation. uh, I remember you used to talk about it a lot and basically they, uh, someone picks up an order and 45 minutes after they pick up the order, they will get a text message that says, how was your order? Was it good? Uh, and they will get five different emojis. If they click on the happiest emoji, it takes them to your Google or Yelp to leave a review. If you click on any other emoji, uh, it, it, t- it opens up a conversation directly with the manager. And we sometimes you get, hey, they forgot my soda. Hey, this happened on my takeout order. Hey, Ovation is great to learn uh, what the kitchen is doing and how your dishes are presented 45 minutes after they're cooked. Uh, we also, uh, you've done a lot of seven shifts and, and we signed up to seven shifts and we're loving it. It saves uh, all the managers a lot of time. Um, I remember also, I think you worked with Margin Edge before? Yes. Okay, so we use Margin Edge uh, as well. Uh, so basically, every technology that we can add um, to our platforms, we, we don't say no because uh, they, they make everyone's job easier. And when you're paying people a lot of money and you can supplement their extra time you're saving with a payment to a third party company is where it's good. Yeah. I'm pretty sure both margin edge and uh, seven shifts integrate with toast. What's what's, how's that integration? Work yes, they those? do. In, they, they, yes, they do integrate. Yeah. Uh, I think it's working good. Yeah. Uh, Wilson or implementation guys is the he's, one who's doing it. He's, he's at it. <laughs> That's but, his lane. But yes, uh, pretty much. I, I uh, We make a uh, Wilson and a couple of other guys listen to your podcast. And when you uh, have a good product, uh, they part of their job is to look at it and, do a zoom call and see what's going on. Well, I can't say how much I appreciate you guys supporting the show using the links that that means so much. And, uh, I do got to make a confession. What's up on our first ovation sign up. We forgot to use your, your code. So Zach Oates, you heard it here. So ovation owes you. You heard it here, Zach. I'm sending you an email. Yeah. <laughs> He's the founder, good friend, a uh, past guest on the show. We've actually had him on a couple times and, uh, those are great tools and you're a marketing person. So, I mean, what's the power of SMS marketing? Right now, it's it, yeah. No one opens up their email. Uh, yeah. Right now, SMS is it's where it's at. But you can first, also not annoy people through yeah. text messages. Dude, I'll be the first person to admit that I delete so many emails if I don't know the name of the 100%. person. I just delete it because I just tech, can't. Handle it. I probably shouldn't admit that. But a text message, yeah, you're going to open it. So yeah. if you collect data through online orders, it would be great. Yeah, beautiful. And this is the last question. It's a doozy. Keep your ears open. If you got the the news, you'd be leaving this world tomorrow. All the memories of you, your work, and your restaurants would be lost with your departure, with the exception of three pieces of wisdom that you could leave behind for the good of humanity and for your legacy. What would those three pieces of wisdom be? Okay, three pieces of wisdom if I leave tomorrow. I think I already talked about most of them. Uh, Number one would be just, see, I'm not religious. I don't come from a religious country or background. I only believe in being a good person. So number one would be, just to be a good person 
Number two. Um, uncorruptible character. Be honest. And whatever you promise to other people, always go above and beyond to to get there and make it a reality. All right. Be a good person. Uncorruptible, uncorruptible character and go above and beyond. Is that it? That's it, man. Thank you so much, dude. I love this conversation. It's been a pleasure. Uh, I think uh, we're calling out Luis. Yes. You're, you know that the last question is, who do you respect yes, and admire? I, I have a guy who was down the street, which I love. He's also one of our clients for the marketing. His story is so beautiful. He works with his entire family. Uh, everyone who shares his DNA pretty much works in, in his company. Uh, and they have done amazing things, small family business, uh, four locations. It's a Cuban restaurant. He's Cuban American. He's a great speaker. Uh, and what they've done with the income from the, he's very open about numbers. You can ask him about numbers with the income from the restaurant and the reinvestments and so on. Uh, they've changed the legacy of the whole family through this industry in just a decade. So Beautiful. hopefully we can get him on. Louise, look out. I'm coming after you. And how can we connect with you? So if, yeah, go ahead. That would be through Instagram, Damien CEO. That's my IG handle. Um, you know, real tacos, real tacos, the cafe of our vinings, sabores del plata, uh, resto experience. And uh, at real tacos is with two R's, R R E A L T A C O S. Uh, sabores. I hope I'm not. I'm always afraid to say Southern like. It's all like it's horrible, dude. I'm, I'm South American things. I always I'm horrible at pronouncing things. But S A B O R E S D E L P L A T is uh, Saboros del Plata. And then, do you want to mention Cafe at Far, far as well? Yeah, cafe at Far Vinings. Yep. Yep. And that's a uh, Cafe at Far P H A R R underscore V I N I N G S. And then you got Resto Expert. Or, so Resto Rest- Experience. Exp. Yes. And uh, I think for, yeah, next thing we got to do is we're going to ask you a lot of questions. Are you going to connect us with great people that we're going to learn from? Yeah. And next time you're in Atlanta, you got to talk to this guy. He will chew your ear off. You know what, man? This this isn't a pitch, but the best way to connect with the people I get on the show is through Restaurant Unstoppable Network. The whole idea behind that network is to literally connect my listeners with my guests and the tools and services they recommend. And my vision for the network going forward is to literally create is to the, I think the the issue with the network up to this point was I put too much pressure on myself. Um, I'm, I'm a gatekeeper in the sense that like I protect the fuck out of my audience. My whole thing is about not exploiting people that I love the restaurant industry and being a filter, a word of mouth filter to help good people connect with good people. So, I took that so literally that anything that happened in the network had to go through me and I kind of burnt out with it. I kind of just, it was too much every day I had an event going on and um, the future of the network is I just want to extend that trust to the people who've been referred to me organically and just to give them free reign of being in the network, scheduling their own events, sharing their knowledge and just getting the F out of the way and saying, you're here, you're welcome here until you fuck up, you Amazing. know? So that's about the launch in the next year. So Sign up. Whatever you need, we'll be part of it. Thank you so much. And I'm happy to help you beyond that as well. For sure. All right, man. Well, this is where I say thank you so much. And there is no questioning. You are unstoppable. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. There's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Man. I got to say, this dude, Damien, is crushing it. And his story is super inspiring. You know, you don't need 20 years 
10 years or whatever, 30 years working in the restaurant industry, getting experience to become a restaurant tour, you can have a good mind for business. And there's so many different avenues you can take to get to this place of opening restaurants because you need so many different skill sets. As long as you have your skill set, as long as you know your lane, you can surround yourself with other people to compliment you because it takes a tribe. So don't let not being a chef or not being a front of house manager or not being some type of technician super specific to the restaurant industry holds you back from chasing a career in the restaurant industry because there's a good chance you bring something that you're not aware of to the table. And I feel like Damien sales and his business admin and like he's just super cut out for this work and I'm excited to see his growth and I love what they're doing to create opportunity for other people, uh, specifically people within the, the Latino community in the, the Hispanic community, what they're doing. It's all just super powerful and inspiring stuff. Keep up the amazing work, dude. And uh, this was actually a surreal moment. Uh, this whole episode was a very surreal moment for me because, you know, Damien uh, and his partners and his, a lot of the people on his team, uh, Restaurant Unstoppable was a huge inspiration for them. And this is kind of a this is kind of a dream come true for me. I remember having the vision when I first got started that people would be listening to the show while working in the kitchen, while commuting to work, and someday. I'd be able to interview somebody who listened to the show and could say that this show helped them. That happened with this episode. So Damien, uh, man, thank you so much for, and I should mention Miguel to Damien's business partner. These dudes are so great. Um, congratulations on your success and thank you for helping me check a box off of my bucket list. Um, this is a very special interview. You guys are doing a great job. And if you guys want more podcasts just like this one, we need your support. There's a ton of ways you can support the show. You can support our sponsors. You can share this podcast. You can join the network. And right now, if you head over to the show notes page of this episode, restaurantstoppable.com slash 95, you can find a link in the show notes to take a survey so we can find out who's exactly listening. We're also going to add that link to our Instagram profile, uh, restaurant unstoppable podcast will be in our link tree. Uh, take that survey, give us some data, help us find out exactly who's listening. And I cannot say goodbye without saying thank you to Jared Parisi, who does our copy and our editing for the podcast and Sam Hall from savinsam.com who's following me around with a video camera and doing an amazing job just capturing the story and helping us get the word out there on our social media it takes a team it takes an army uh and i'm super grateful for mine that's it for today until next time peace out